everyone and welcome to another episode of the Relationship Globe Podcast and this is the podcast that's focused on building relationships and recovering from relationship fails including the relationship with yourself. I'm your host Tracy Contreras. I'm a certified life coach specializing in relationships and I also have over 10 years of providing therapy services to the community as a therapist So I know a thing or two about mental health and building healthy relationships. Today, I wanted to go over the topic of setting boundaries. Now, I do believe I might have reviewed some steps on how to set boundaries in other episodes, but this episode will be dedicated to only boundaries and set up to be easy to find in my roster of podcast episodes. This will be an episode that you will be able to come back to over and over again. So I do hope that you learn a lot from today's episode. Now, why did I want to talk about boundaries today? Mostly because every day I hear examples of how people are being set up to forget their boundaries or are being pushed to ignore what they want or need to feel safe or balanced in relationships. When it comes to things like this, it really grinds my gears and it really sets me off when I hear stories that have to do with boundary violations or a lack of boundaries. So I wanted to dedicate a whole episode to just this topic. Let's go over what boundaries are. So what are boundaries? You might have heard some conversation of boundaries out and about from the people that you speak to to magazine articles or movies, social media. The point is conversations about boundaries are no longer a secret. So what are boundaries? The social worker and author of Set Boundaries, Find Peace, Nedra glover Tawab, defines boundaries as the gateway to healthy relationships and says that Boundaries are expectations and needs that help you feel safe and comfortable in your relationships. Now, I am a firm advocate for women and a feminist, and at the risk of being seen as an angry bra burner, I'm going to talk about why this matters. I will start with my own personal story. I am the only daughter of immigrants, and I am the eldest of three siblings as well. My parents came to this country in order to seek a better life and better opportunities, as is the case with most immigrant families. But this also meant that there was a lot that they did not know. They had to figure some things out on their own, and some things they did not figure out until it was too late in their life. We were a very small family, and we did not have a lot of extended family here, so I had no one to really teach me about some of the things that mattered. My parents were also not people that had many friends that they visited with, so I didn't have lots of examples of how to socialize, build friendships, disagree with people, say no, etc. My mother was an extremely shy and anxious person, so I never really saw her build any close friendships with other people. And my parents had a pretty good relationship. They didn't really fight in front of us kids, and from what I could remember, I didn't really see them raise their voice or disagree with each other in like terrible ways so I suppose I never got to learn conflict resolution skills either way all in all I guess I would say I grew up in a social bubble my parents never really had a discussion with me about what boundaries were 
how to speak up for myself if I didn't like something or on how to advocate for myself if I felt that need or if, if I felt that a need might not be met. My mother never even had the sex talk with me. All she said to me was, don't let anyone touch your unmentionable lady parts and don't get pregnant. I mean, does a 12-year-old really know that science about pregnancy and how it happens? Not really. And back then, in my mind, I suppose, why would someone want to touch my lady parts? That conversation never went down from her. Later on, of course, I'd have like sex ed and read about things and have conversations with my friends, but I didn't really have that conversation. Luckily, I've been able to avoid being a teen mom at the ripe old age of 38. I still have nightmares about being a teen mom even now. So I would have to say that in my childhood, there was a lot of anxious and nervous energy coming from my mother, but no real discussions about what to do with the world if it presented you with a situation where you would have to speak up or set boundaries. I was just expected to be a good girl, go to school, get good grades, not get into any trouble. In retrospect, it was no surprise that I would have moments in my life where people would try to cross my boundaries and often. So as young as the age of five, I can remember having examples of people and other children trying to take advantage of me and trying to cross my boundaries. My neighbor would invite me over to play dolls, and after everything was said and done, she would then just keep my dolls, even if I tried to protest in some way. But it must not have worked, or she must thought, must have thought that I was too quiet to really speak up and ask for my dolls back, because I never got them back. I think, though, too, I was afraid that she wouldn't like me if I said anything else. But damn, was that also a conversation that needed to be had? Like, fuck what everyone else has to say if they don't like you. At the time, though, I desperately wanted friends and wanted to be liked, so I guess I kept my mouth shut. And she kept inviting me over and kept trying to steal my dolls, even more of them, until I finally just stopped going. A year or two later, I was in the second grade, and I would invite a classmate over to play. But this classmate would have like a little shit fit if we didn't play the games that she wanted to play. So she would threaten to go home and tell the other kids not to play with me. So I agreed to keep playing her games. See a pattern here? Right? Eventually, I just stopped talking to her and never invited her over to my house. But isn't it interesting how this little girl thought it was fun to have a tantrum and threatened to tell the other kids not to play with me just to get what she wanted. And I was just like, all right, let me give her that for a little bit. I was not taught that this type of behavior from others was not normal and appropriate. I was also ashamed. I think part of me knew that something was up with the way these girls were doing something, but I was afraid to tell my parents that these people were doing these things to me. And it's funny how shame works when you're a young child. Sometimes you end up feeling ashamed over trivial things, things that you shouldn't be afraid of or things that really have nothing to do with you, but there it is. As I grew up, things would come up here and there where people would test my boundaries in various ways. I got better at avoiding these situations or I would also get angry about it, but 
These things would keep happening. As a woman, unfortunately, I think this kind of stuff tends to happen way too often. Women are taught to be ladylike and to not make a fuss and to not yell or be loud. So this is just extra conditioning that is just way counterproductive for us. It's almost as if they want women to just shut up and take it. So many women probably do. As a grown adult, one of the memories that shook my safety was a time when a boyfriend forced me to drive home while he was inebriated. Now, this might not be a problem for most girlfriends, you know, designated driver taking turns and all this stuff, but this was a problem for me because I have terrible eye issues and I cannot drive at night. And this person knew that and they proceeded to get inebriated anyway. And at the end of the night, I was forced to try to drive for about five miles down one of the busiest freeways at night while my boyfriend yelled at me as I cried because all I could think of was, what if something happened to me? What if we crashed? What are we going to do? Now, how terrifying is that? But my boyfriend was yelling at me the whole time because I was crying. My stupid ass probably should have should have left him at the bar and taken an uber home but i think at that time i wasn't sure if uber lyft were very popular or was around yet and i probably would have been yelled at for leaving him there again an example of how women are conditioned to take care of others and also an example of how at that time i probably needed to have better boundaries and i probably needed to grow a pair i suppose so Boundary violations come in all shapes and sizes, some more subtle than others, others more blatant, and when they happen, they threaten your sense of self and safety. As previously mentioned above, boundaries are the gateway to healthy relationships, and Ms. Tawab reminds us that boundaries are expectations and needs that help you feel safe and comfortable in your relationships. Boundaries serve a healthy purpose. They help you feel physically, emotionally, and psychologically safer and comfortable. They're like the fence that keeps your home safe from others. And this fence also keeps you safe and from crossing into other people's space as well. Boundaries are both what you say and what you do. And you can even set boundaries while doing nothing and saying nothing. I'll explain more on this later. No matter the relationship, be it family relationships, friendships, romantic, professional, school relationships, or community relationships, you have to learn what your expectations and needs are so that they help you feel safe and comfortable within these relationships. Now, let's look at three types of boundaries within the context of relationships. They are rigid, healthy, and porous boundaries. Again, rigid, healthy, and porous boundaries. Rigid boundaries are when a person may have very many, many rules, expectations, and limits for themselves and others, and there's no flexibility or a fair perspective for them, and this may prevent them from really connecting to others. People who may want to get to know the people with health, with rigid boundaries may become too afraid or unsure about getting too close as they might fear getting backlash, getting yelled at, or getting attacked. A person with rigid boundaries 
might appear that they may want nothing to do with building connection or intimacy. They just have so many rules as to who they let in or what they let in or what a person can do within the relationship. And this could also be because the person with rigid boundaries may be very afraid of what it could be like to let people in and may fear disappointment or some type of abandonment or more violations with boundaries. Now let's look at an example. A person with rigid boundaries may set a date with a friend to go to the movies. Maybe they have enjoyed each other's company lately and things seem to be going well. However, when this person gets a text that their friend is running a little late, the person with rigid boundaries may become upset and decide to call off the date altogether. They may decide, this person isn't really a friend, they should have tried to make it on time, and I want nothing more to do with this person ever again. The person with rigid boundaries might not stop to think that maybe something could have happened, that maybe their friend did try to get there on time, but there was an accident on the road. Maybe their friend does care about them and does want to spend time with them, but something unexpected happened. The person with rigid boundaries leaves no room for mistakes, errors, or apologies and may not give the benefit of the doubt. This is an example of very rigid boundaries. With healthy boundaries, a person is able to have a good sense of what makes them feel safe and comfortable. They know what types of people they want to spend time with, want what types of situations they feel comfortable in, and they know when to speak up or act when they feel that a boundary is being crossed. They also know when to be flexible and when to stop to think about creating a fair perspective of a situation so that they do, they do not overreact or do something to hurt a relationship. They are not too rigid with their rules and they are not too permissive when it comes to their boundaries. They're able to connect with people in healthy ways while actively working on not letting others make them feel unsafe or uncomfortable. They're also conscious to not cross other people's boundaries or hurt their relationships with their words or behavior. Here's an example of a person with healthy boundaries. Let's say Julia is going to a party with friends. They're going to go to dinner and dancing. She decides to go to the party with the group that she feels safe and comfortable with. They make plans to enjoy themselves, but also state that they will be close by if they happen to run into complete strangers so they feel safe in their group. They make a rule not to overindulge in alcohol or other substances and make a plan to leave the party if they no longer feel safe. They also plan to take a Lyft or Uber or taxi home as a group so they do not drive under the influence. She might meet a boy that she really likes. This boy asks if they can dance and spend some time together. She decides to spend some of the night with this man while her friends are near and watchful, and she also spends time with her friends and enjoys herself. At the end of the night, he asks if they can spend the night together. Julia decides to give him her phone number instead and asks him to call her sometime. Julia has a boundary that she would not sleep with a man who is a complete stranger after only knowing him for one night, and she proceeds to go home with her friends as planned. Julia is able to enjoy her friendships, this new man, and the party while being safe and comfortable. She does not put herself in a position where safety or comfort could be at risk. Let's talk about porous boundaries. A person who has porous boundaries has boundaries that are too flexible. People can get in too quickly. They 
there may not be very many rules, expectations, or limits set in place for this person. It's possible that this person may let others cross their boundaries too often, or this person may even cross other people's boundaries too often. They might have an idea on how they could feel comfortable or safe, but maybe they don't carry out the actions or have the voice to do so when they need to. It is possible that a person with porous boundaries feels unsafe, taken for granted, or resentful with the people in their lives. They might also be angry with themselves for not being able to set boundaries the way that they wish to. It could be possible that they mesh into the people that they have relationships with and they take in their situations or their emotions and vice versa. And there is no healthy separation, distinction, or individuality. Their relationships may be unhealthy and unsafe, and they may be at risk of running into similar situations in the future if they try not to set any boundaries. An example. Laura has a boyfriend who lives with her. He has no job and spends his time at home not doing much. He's not making an effort to find a job or to even make any efforts to clean up after the home or tidy up. Laura feels bad for him and goes above and beyond to try to help him feel better. She pays for everything and does all the chores. Laura feels frustrated and overwhelmed and sometimes asks for help, but Laura's boyfriend just gets angry and tries to avoid the topic. Laura's boyfriend's mother had also previously kicked him out of the house for similar behavior and told Laura to take him home with her. Laura was not ready to live with anyone yet at the time that she was with her boyfriend, but felt responsible for him, and so she proceeded to let the boyfriend stay with her. Laura ignores her emotions and does not follow up with her hunches to kick him out of the house. Laura's boyfriend continues to ignore her when she tries to set boundaries or asks for help. Laura does not feel comfortable in this situation. She does not feel safe for her future and worries about what will happen to her. Now, these are three examples of three different boundary types. One is an example of having too many rules and expectations where there could be little connection and intimacy with others. One is a healthier way of having enough boundaries and practices to help connect with others while feeling safe and comfortable. And one is an example of not having very many boundaries or boundaries that are too flexible and feeling unsafe and uncomfortable in the situation. While some of these examples are frustrating, boundaries are something that can be improved upon. Yes, there could have been moments in life where you never learned about boundaries. Yes, there could have been moments in life where you ignored your boundaries. Yes, there could have been moments in life where you made a mistake. But you know now that things can change. Every day, people are practicing how to set better boundaries in their lives. People are very, very invested and interested in changing their life. And boundaries is just one of the ways where you can do that. So how do we begin to know what our boundaries are? Take out your notebooks, people, because this is going to help you on your quest on setting boundaries, and I'm going to help you answer some important questions for yourself. So write down the stuff that seems important for you. Remember, boundaries help you to feel physically, emotionally, and psychologically safe and comfortable. With boundaries, you decide 
what you will do, what you may say, what you will not do, and what you may not say in your relationships. All for the purpose of you feeling comfortable and safe while building a sense of connection with others or to achieve certain objectives, such as when you're on a team. Boundaries is also you respecting other people's limits, rules, and expectations. Some examples of what you do, say, don't do, and don't say are verbally. You may explicitly set a boundary verbally, such as saying, I'm sorry, I can't do that or help you with that today. Or you may do so with an action, such as not staying over your shift at work without a discussion of overtime with a supervisor. It is also what you do not say, such as in the situation where a person attends a party and it happens to walk into the smoker section when they themselves do not like to smoke or they don't like being around smokers. And in this situation, it is not necessary to say, hey, everyone, stop smoking. I hate the way the smoke is permeating this area. You guys need to stop. You would simply instead walk away. You can keep quiet and go into space where you can breathe easy. It is also what you will not do. For example, if you have a boyfriend who wants to try something sexual that you know you are not comfortable with, you can decide that you will not do that no matter how much your partner asks you to because you know that you want to feel safe and comfortable and doing that is a violation of your own boundaries. You also decide what you do allow, right? You you decide what you do want to do in your relationships, such as holding hands, kissing, doing something that is fun for you, right? So you decide what you do, what you don't do, what you say, what you don't say. Now let's answer some of these questions together. As we explore a few things together, take notes, pause, write things down, listen to this, play it over again and again, okay? Let's explore physical boundaries first. Remember, physical boundaries help your body feel safe and comfortable in your relationships. Question number one, let's define your physical space. When it comes to strangers, how close are you willing to let them get next to you while still feeling okay? Write that down. A common answer might might be between maybe three to six feet or more. You may be able to walk away or keep a safe distance, and that is good. But what about when you're in a crowded space, like a party, a concert, the metro, in a line? This boundary might need to become a little bit more flexible. So what do you do to create a sense of safety? Do you hold your hands in front of you? Do you create a barrier with a sweater, a bag, or a purse? Is there a piece of furniture or maybe even a safe person between you? Do you keep a lookout and move over if you begin to feel uncomfortable? Do you coach yourself mentally and take a few deep breaths until the moment passes? Notice what your comfort level is with unknown people and also think of a few things you can do to help you feel a little more safer and comfortable when you do find yourself having to be a little closer. Notice what you can do as well to 
plan ahead and how you may act in future situations. Don't be afraid to add more ideas along the way and with your experience as it grows. Know what your physical space is. Know what makes you feel comfortable and safe. Know what other people's cues are, right? When they're acting and walking next to you and saying things, you want to make a mental note of whether a person might look decent or whether a person might look menacing. If a person looks menacing, you will remove yourself as much as you can from that situation. Or you might ask for a safe person to help you get away. If a person appears that they are safe and their body language is welcoming and you feel like this person's not going to hurt you or to be too much in your physical space, uh, be all up in your business, right? Uh, you get to decide if you want to let them be a little closer to you. So it's a good idea to know what your physical space is and what is okay in terms of too close, just enough, far enough. It's important to have a sense of what that physical space is, right? And also what to do if you find yourself in a moment where you can't create too much distance, but also how to help yourself feel comfortable. Number two, when it comes to friendships and romantic relationships with friends, what levels of touch or affection are you okay with? Are hugs okay? Kisses? Handshakes? What about new friends? Do you keep a safer distance until you know them a little better? And how about with close friends? How often is there touch? Are your friends even okay with this type of touch? What about with romantic and sexual relationships? Is hand-holding okay? Are hugs or kisses okay? Is sex okay? It is okay for some romantic relationships to not be sexual. You might just have to find someone who is okay with that and feel similarly to that. If you do have sex, what kind of sex do you prefer or like? How often? Where and when? Does it need to be gentle or do you like it a little more rough? This depends on your likes and on your partner as well. People can have a lovely, romantic, and respectful relationship while having a little more kink in their game. But some people do not like a little roughness and it's okay if they don't. If you don't like certain roughness or certain things, you don't have to engage in these activities. That is what a boundary is. You don't like it. It doesn't, if it doesn't, if it's not something that makes you feel comfortable, you don't have to do it. That's a boundary. For those that are new to sex, sometimes it's not okay if someone yells at you or calls you names or is aggressive with you, like engaging in certain behaviors where they place their hands around your neck during sex. You can totally say that you don't like that. That is fair and keeps you safe. You can also end the relationship if you find that you do not feel safe or comfortable in these types of relationships. So answer these questions for yourself. What type of touch is okay with friendships? And what type of touch is okay with romantic relationships? And just as a side note, uh, it needs to be said, aggressive touch, painful touch, hitting is not okay when it's not 
something welcome. As I mentioned, some people like a little kink in their game, but if someone hurts you out of anger, if someone hurts you out of control, that is not okay. I'm always going to say that that is a big boundary violation. Unwanted touch, unwanted physical contact or striking is not okay. And you should know that. Okay. Let's look at the psychological and emotional space. Your psychological and emotional space is what you let into your mind and heart. Number one, what will you let into your psychological and emotional space? Are there certain things that you will not read or watch? Are there certain places that you may not want to go to because you might be impacted mentally, emotionally? Are there certain people whose attitude, energy, behavior, or words you will not let into your space? Sometimes there are things in the world that can impact our psychology and emotions in negative ways. I want you to be aware of that. What are the things, situations, or people that you will try to keep away as much as possible because whenever you're around those situations, things, or people, you don't feel safe or comfortable. Try to keep away from that as much as possible. What are things, situations, or people that psychologically and emotionally let you feel safe, good, or healthy instead? How will you let more of this into your psychological, emotional space? Is it funny cartoons, books on self-improvement, those friends that help you feel safe and respected and you have pleasant emotions with? Is it going somewhere peaceful like a garden? Think about what these things could be for you and how could you create more space for that? How can you invite good people like that into your world? Think about that. Number two, what about if you have to go somewhere that may impact you in a negative way, like a toxic work environment or a family party? What can you do to help you feel safer or more comfortable while you are there? What can you do to help you psychologically and emotionally recover after you've gone? Is it possible to plan a safe exit after some time? Or might you have to make a decision to make a change like, change jobs in the future or not go to family parties if you know that there's always drama or you feel terrible afterwards think about how that could come up for you and think about a plan to lessen that experience as much as possible let's take a look at values and how this may also influence boundaries number three what do you value this is a compass that helps you and guides your actions and boundaries in life. Your values are your compass. If someone does something or says something that doesn't align with your values, you may decide to spend less time with them or you might end the relationship with them if your values are very, very different. Or you may decide to speak up and ask for a change in behavior or words. For example, if you value peace, you may decide to spend less time with the person who's always getting belligerent and getting into fights. This helps keep you safe and comfortable. Or if you value honesty, 
you may decide to call out your family member when you catch them in a harmful lie. You may ask them not to underestimate you and to share their thoughts and feelings in a truthful manner so that you can understand them better. How can your values also guide your boundaries? Now, some people might have a hard time with this, but I'm going to try to explain it as easily as I can. If you know that you want to work on setting up your boundaries, how do you begin to speak up? What are some ways that you can begin to speak up when you begin to feel uncomfortable in a space or with a person? First of all, you don't have to yell. You don't have to be demanding. You don't have to get really angry. But you can be respectful and within your dignity when you set a boundary. If you find yourself in certain situations where you feel like your boundaries are always being crossed, what is it that you might need to say in that moment? Write these things down in your journal. Put some thought and reflection into it. What do you want to say sometimes? What's in your gut? What does your inner wisdom tell you to say in these types of situations? Write these sentences down. Mentally rehearse this. And visualize yourself setting that boundary with those specific words. Practice setting boundaries with a loved one and see what happens. A way you can also do this is by following this template or example. Uh, This is known as a whole message. This is a good way to communicate a need with someone. So you may start with, I've noticed that blank, insert possible boundary violation here. I feel blank when this happens. Is it possible that blank, you can stop that, change this, propose a different type of change, and then you would propose a win for both of you. Such as, I think this would be helpful for us and can help us have a more enjoyable time together. For example, in this format, I've noticed that whenever we go out lately, you've been having a tough time paying for your share of the bill. Whenever this happens, I feel stressed because I don't know if I can cover your half of the bill. Is it possible that if we go out next time and you might be having trouble with money, can we try a different activity that may be free? I think we can have some fun figuring out new ways to save money and get to know the town. That's how I would set a boundary with someone in that format. If you want more information on this, definitely Google whole messages. It's a very effective way to structure your sentences in a way that is not blaming and it's definitely is not something that may lead someone to feel too defensive. It's very respectful. It, sh- it helps you share your feelings and it all, it's also likely that a person may understand you better as you're setting a boundary. Number four, what are some things you might need to do in order to set boundaries? Remember, it's not always what you say, but also what you do or don't do when you see that a boundary is being crossed. What are the things you need to do to observe other boundaries as well? Do you need to speak up? Do you need to walk away from certain people or situations? Do you need to stop doing certain things for certain people? Do you need to stop taking calls or last minute dates? Do you need to block people or put your people on do not disturb after a certain time? Do you need to end relationships? Sorry. Do you need to set a condition such as if you're late again, I will not be able to wait for you and I may end up going to another appointment. 
Do you need to stop letting certain people borrow money? Do you need to stop calling that certain person? Do you need to stop touching someone after they have asked you not to? Do you need to stop insisting on spending time with someone after they've made it clear they don't want a relationship with you? Make a list and be honest with yourself about what you might want to do. And slowly begin the process of doing those things or not doing those things. I have plenty, plenty of people that know they have to set boundaries, but they're not doing the actions needed to kind of go to home plate, so to speak. If you're always saying, I need to change this, I know what I have to change, but you do nothing about it, you're going to continue to have the same boundary problems. And lastly, if setting boundaries is something you need to learn how to do, go get yourself a good book on boundaries. Get yourself a workbook. Um, the book that I previously mentioned by Mrs. Tawab, that's a good book to check out. Your library might have it. Uh, Codependency No More is a good book too. It helps you learn how to set boundaries. Or get help from a therapist or coach. These are people that can support you on your mission to set boundaries and they can help you learn the process of setting boundaries and helping you feel more safe and comfortable in your relationships. So these are only some questions that can help you learn how to set boundaries. It helps you on your journey, helps you learn who you are and help you know what feels comfortable for you. The more you know these things about yourself, the more you're able to tap into the practices that you want to implement in your life. So I hope that you've learned a few things about yourself and I hope you've gotten some examples of how you might want to begin setting boundaries in your life. So don't be afraid of boundaries. These are meant to help you feel safe and healthy. They're meant to help you feel safe and healthy. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about your relationships as well as learn how to set better boundaries, don't forget to get on my email list. Once you sign up, you will get a free relationship workbook that includes tips on how to reset your standards, how to know when it's time to move on from a relationship, and 30 made-for-you scripts on how to set boundaries in different relationship scenarios. You will be able to use these actionable tips to start creating changes today. If you need help with stopping dating mistakes, I can help you too. My process focuses on identifying your dating patterns and beliefs, learning how to interrupt these patterns, creating healthy dating strategies, and learning how to be confident in yourself and in knowing what you want. If you're looking for this type of help, set up a one-on-one consult to see how coaching can help you. You can DM me, You can email me. You can set up a Calendly appointment. It's all on my webpage. If you enjoyed this episode or found this episode helpful, please share it and review it. Put some five stars up there. Share these episodes with your friends. Please help get these episodes into more people's ears. If you'd like to learn more about me and life coaching, definitely check out my page at www.tracycontreras.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Tracy Contreras Coach and on TikTok as Breakup Coach Tracy. I hope you've had a good day. I hope you've had a good time listening to this episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.